you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time and going through everything. This has been like, Oh, thank you. I don't want to, I don't want to knock any of the other interviews I've done, but like, this has been the most thorough and getting, getting able to go through the years like this with y'all. And you guys have asked some really hard hitting questions and um, no, I really appreciate it. And this was really fun. This podcast is brought to you by Podbean. Podbean is the easiest way to create your own podcast. In fact, we use Podbean to host Halos in the Infield. Download the free Podbean podcast app to start, record, and publish your very own podcast in just minutes. Podbean provides everything you need to run your podcast, and you can record and publish episodes directly on the app from your phone. Download the free Podbean app today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N. Head on over to Podbean at www.podbean.com and use the code PODCAST21 for your first 30 days of podcast hosting for free. Check it out. Viva Los Angelitos and Viva Podbean. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield podcast and the YouTube channel. If you're watching us here, this is Todd Fox along with a co-host. Fernando Mendez, Viva Los Angelitos. And introduce yourself, our uh, special guest for today. What's up? This is uh, Angels minor league pitcher Kenny Rosenberg. All right, Kenny, nice to meet you. As uh, we're, we're going to let the fans get to uh, meet you as well as uh, you come over here to the Angels. And and uh, Fernando, you want to start this one off with your first question here for Mr. Kenny? Absolutely. So for, uh, for starters, everybody, welcome to our uh, season two Blitz Week. Uh, we're excited to start things off with Kenny Rosenberg and uh, this interview. So let's get started by talking about your high school. You went to Mount Tam- uh, Tamil Pius High School. Yeah, all that. Uh, so you were a pitcher, a first baseman. Mm-hmm. Correct. And yeah. you also were a all league goalkeeper in your soccer program. So talk to me about playing two sports in high school. Yeah. Um, you know, like where I grew up in Mill Valley, small town, just north of San Francisco. Um, and like you mentioned at Tamil Pies High School, sports were like, it was cool that you played sports, but it wasn't like everything, you know, like a lot of kids did like drama class and they were very like ambitious with academics. And that's just the area that I grew up in. That was just the nature of the beast. Um, so like, yeah, sports for me were, you know, I always wanted to be a baseball player, but, um, you know, like being a two sport athlete or like, you know, specifically like the football teams were like high school football is like a huge deal in like Southern California, Texas, like throughout the country. And that just wasn't the case for us. Um, but our soccer team was nails. So I loved playing soccer. I got a chance to be goalie um, my freshman year they needed a goalie on JV and I had always played forward, but I always wanted to play goalie. I was always like begging and begging and begging. And uh, yeah, they needed a spot. So I started playing and by the time I was a senior, I got yeah pretty freaking good, you know, cause these other kids are used to playing with their feet. Meanwhile, baseball, my main sport, um, you know, I'm using my hands all day. So I think I had a little bit of an advantage over most of the kids that were trying to play goalie. Um, and yeah, like I said, you know, I got pretty good, but again, you know, 
playing two sports. Um, it wasn't like that big of a deal. Like we had, we had kids that had no business playing two sports that were playing two sports. You know what I mean? So, um, it was fun and it kept baseball fresh for me. Um, but yeah, it was, you know, it wasn't all that, uh, strenuous on me or anything like that. It was just for fun. Okay. So you were 14 and five, um, when you were in one of your years pitching, I believe that was your senior year, correct? Uh, you had 75 strikeouts, 49 innings pitched, and you had two shutouts. Uh, so, I mean, you were a heck of an athlete on, on both sides. You know, I mean, I'll toot the horn for you. So what was your first love? Baseball, soccer, or was it maybe something else? That's funny. I haven't even heard, like, my high school stats. Like, that sounds like a pretty good line. But, like, I didn't even, <laughs> you know, I hadn't even heard my high school <laughs> in God knows how long. So uh, it was always baseball. It was always baseball. Um, you know, I even took some time off from playing soccer between when I was, like, seven and like 12 like I took a few years where I was just like over it and then I got back into it just kind of like riding a bike picked up where I left off but uh ever since I was as long as I can remember but I started playing ball when I was five um started pitching when I was eight and um yeah never really looked back I mean it was it was always it was always baseball that was always what we had on in the house Sunday night baseball Wednesday night baseball baseball tonight I mean you know, <laughs> It was it was all about baseball all the time. That's just that was just what I love to do and love to to watch. And um, you know, growing up in the Bay Area, I was a big Giants fan. You know, going through high school, you know, 2010, 12, and 14, I was very spoiled as a, as a baseball fan. Um, and you know that that it seemed like the perfect time, you know, where I got to enjoy it as a fan at that age. And then I went to college and played, and then realized that I actually may have an opportunity to pursue it professionally and continue to do it. Um, and yeah, you know, I've been, I've been really, really blessed to be able to continue to do it up to this point. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes just talking about it, I get a little emotional because it's just like, it's everything I ever wanted to do, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Like watching Sunday night baseball, seeing your broadcaster usually on there, uh, forget his name. Um, he usually calls most of the giants games, but, um, John Miller. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. And yeah. like catching him a lot, his iconic sound and the way he describes games must have been great to watch. You and know, type are really good too. Yeah, yeah. But the question I was gonna ask you, because you know, we we we're a little biased here on this network, but uh we don't have the greatest feelings for the Dodgers. What's your hatred level for the Dodgers? <laughs> oh man, it's tough. Um, you know, like I gotta say, like elephant in the room, at least for me, is like when you get to a certain level of your profession, mm -hmm. like, like I just, like when I was a fan mm -hmm. and this isn't anything against fans, but when you're a fan, like you're on the outside looking in, right. And oh, you absolutely. Don't, yeah. Like behind the scenes, you don't see like how many, truly how many players interact. So like I work out with a couple guys that play for the Dodgers. Mm -hmm. Right. And like, I love those guys. So like, I don't have a hatred for a team or an organization at this point in my career, because you just realize that it's all arbitrary and like, these are just people, you know? No, absolutely. And, yeah. yeah. Um, but when I was growing up, um, you know, obviously like being in the Bay area where most of my friends were Giants or Ace fans. Um, yeah. We definitely, we definitely bullied the Dodgers fans for sure. We, I mean, <laughs> in a respectful way, of course, but um, yeah, no, I, I definitely like wasn't a huge fan of the Dodgers, but then like, 
even past that, once Kershaw really burst onto the scene, like, I mean, you see me wearing the 22 chain. Like, I've been 22 is my number since even before he was, um, since he was rocking it. And, but that kind of like just gave me like an additional reason to love him. You know, it was because I, you know, I shared a number, left handed pitcher. And um, so it's tough for me to say that I like dislike the Dodgers because I do love so many of their players. Yeah. Cause you have that aspiration to be like a Kershaw type pitcher. Yeah. And like I just have at this point in my career, like I just have a respect for, for basically all organizations. I mean, to an extent, you know, like there's, yeah. it's more like there's good and bad people within the organization. There's not like, I don't think any of the, teams themselves are just like mean you know yeah we i think we definitely get that like me and fernando because like again being fans like it, it does i could see where that could change your way of thinking because obviously you know you're in a union now it's a league you're all playing for the same kind of thing some of you guys work out like you said your friends in the off season whatever or guys switch teams so even if like you have a best friend goes to a rival you're still gonna be friends with him you're not gonna cut him off because he plays for yeah. oakland but uh but yeah, but the fan, the fan thing though, that's why I was asking you because being in the Bay Area, you got to deal with Oakland and you got to deal with LA when they come up here. And when we're we're yeah. down here, we got to deal with the Dodgers and we got to deal with, you know, Oakland. So, you know, or or now Houston, but Yeah, I mean, when I was a Giants fan, it was easy to be a Giants fan. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, I was like, what are you going to say to me? Like well, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the Dodgers like we won 3 out of 5 years. Like I don't say whatever you want, you know. <laughs> what can you tell how can you hurt me? So that, I think that's also part of the reason why I didn't like have this huge hatred for the Dodgers. Cause I was just like, whatever. yeah. Cause the giants fans down that's here, right. the Dodger fans would be like, Hey, we're winning divisions. And then you guys were like, well, we're winning championships. So yeah. nice Mickey mouse ring. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. There you go. That's, right. that's a sound Ooh, clip right there. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That's the sound clip we needed. It's a wrap. My boy we Tony Bronsler is going to be mad at me for saying that. <laughs> We it's call fine. we call it the it's fine. I mean, yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right. So we talked a little bit. Uh, well, you talked a little bit about uh, going to uh, Cal State Northridge. So let's elaborate on that. So, pitched eleven innings, zero and two record, eight point one eight ERA. That was your rookie year. There, yeah. your freshman year. My apologies. So um, I'm guessing that probably wasn't the numbers that you were hoping for for your <laughs> freshman year. Yeah. What was different that year that maybe wasn't clicking for you in high school? Was it maybe just the, the different level of play? What would you say yeah. was the biggest culprit? I mean, like, I mean, I, so just to give you a brief backstory. I was completely unrecruited out of high school. I didn't have any division one offers at all. I didn't have any division two offers at all. Mm-hmm. I had like two spots at JC's that I had just started to talk to. And I had a couple of verbals, um, from D threes that they don't offer athletic scholarships. So I was pretty much a free agent and uh, I ended up getting a situation at Northridge, new head coach, Greg Moore, who was coming from university of San Francisco as the pitching coach. That was the connection to the Bay area. And I loved him. Uh, I just thought he was a great baseball mind and I wanted to, I wanted to learn from him and um, you know, to get an opportunity division one as a walk-on, I didn't even realize that I was a walk-on. Like I didn't like it didn't process in my head. Like most walk-ons, you go into that fall and you're like, okay, like I gotta make the team or I'm gonna get cut and I'm gonna end up at a JUCO. And like the possibility of getting cut never processed for me. Like I'd swear to this day, like I went through that whole fall and into the spring thinking I was on the team. Mm. And I made the team. <laughs> so it worked out. Um, 
but that that spring, like you said, I didn't really have a ton of success. I was pitching out of the bullpen. It was something I had never done. Um, coming in to face lefties when at the time I was more comfortable pitching against righties. Um, and um, so it, it was, you know, mental struggle to, to go through my first spring and the team sucked. We were terrible. We were like 18 and 39 or something that year. And um, so it was just, yeah, we were just grinding, you know, like it was just, it was not like super fun to show up to the park knowing that you're going to get your teeth kicked in. And like, I probably wasn't going to pitch, you know? So that summer I went and played out in uh, the West coast league summer league in Yakima, Washington. And again, pitching out of the bullpen, which again, I was kind of ticked off about. Um, and I was lights out. I pitched great. I had fun. We were good. Great group of guys, you know, hanging out together, you know, it was my first like real, like, daily baseball, I guess, is the way I would describe it, right? Because in college, you have three days of baseball and then four days of not, or you might have a Tuesday game, but it's like, you're going to school and you're doing like practice, like you just, it's very like structured where this is like, okay, we got a game, 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 we got a game. <laughs> we're traveling, we're traveling, we're traveling. So that's like a very like similar to the minor leagues, but I loved it. I had so much fun that summer. And like I said, I pitched great. So, um, you know, that gave me some confidence. Um, despite not having as good of a, of a year as my freshman year was. Um, and then you probably were going to say my sophomore year, I didn't pitch. Um, I was going to say medical redshirt. Yep. Yep. So I had a lower back injury that was, it was minor, but I didn't like, I didn't know how to take care of myself. You know, I didn't know like what my body needed. So like it, I got shut down in like November and then basically went into that like winter break and all college athletes that hear this will know that like winter break is like a make or break, make or break for your spring season. And I got stuck in between like trying to get better and stronger and healing. And I ended up doing neither. Mm. Um, and so I just wasn't ready to pitch. My back just wasn't, wasn't all the way healed. So I needed a few more months and I took the time. I dedicated myself to the rehab and just did everything the training staff told me to do. And um, knock on wood, never had a problem since um, with the back and, you know, ended up being a really, really great thing for me um, to, you know, not being able to play a season was the first time I had missed any mean, meaningful time. But, you know, you have an injury like that. It prepares you for injuries later on in your career that are inevitable when you play as long as I have. Um, and so it ended up being a blessing. And then obviously, you know, first on the scene, my junior year, strong, healthy, ready to go, um, mentally ready for it as well and excited to play because I had missed so much time. So, um, yeah, it turned out to be a perfect storm in the end. And so, so, yeah, let's talk about your junior year. So, uh, sorry, Todd, go ahead before I get into that. I just had a real quick question. So since that back injury, have you maintained the same uh, workout regimen every off season, during the season, everything to – Keep yeah, there's a there's a lot that goes into it. I mean, I know I learn something new every year, like you're always adding and subtracting to like your your regimen and your routines. And, um, you know, there it's it's really hard to know, like what you need. Right. As, a, as an athlete, because mm -hmm. um, sometimes it's rest, you know, and sometimes it's a certain type of training or um, a certain addition or sometimes it's a subtraction. Right. So you just have to kind of like trust your gut and listen to your body. 
And, you know, the results do speak for themselves a little bit, you know, like if I see like velocity increase or I feel good, like those are pretty good indicators. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of it is just kind of like your intuition and like what you know you need. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's been a struggle, you know, like it's, it's ongoing. I'm still learning. I'm still adding and subtracting and, and, and trying to figure out that, that perfect formula, but, um, it gets better and, and sharper every year. Um, to the point now where I feel like I know myself really well. I know what I need on a daily and, and annual basis, um, to get ready for a season and, and to recover from a season and to maintain, you know, um, the performance throughout a season, but it's a very complex answer to that question, man. That's, I mean, that's the name of the game, staying healthy and getting better every year. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. As angel fans, we know that, uh, quite well, staying healthy is definitely the key to a season. (laughs) Yeah. I think the hard part, I I think Kenny, you and I are up to the same age. I just turned 27 a couple, a couple days ago. So, um, anyway, you're 26, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I I think like the hardest part, especially for guys our age is like knowing that you're not 18 anymore. So like, you know, you're starting to get to the point where like you're starting to get some of those like back aches and stuff people always talk about. So you got to actually stretch now Unlike high school where you could like, you know, come back from like eating like a bean and cheese burrito, you know, you just throw on your, your baseball gear and you're running straight to the field. You're good. You know, I don't need to stretch coach. Just put me in. I'll go throw a, you know, a bullpen, whatever I need to do. And now it's like, bro, I need to throw a bullpen. All right. Well, I should probably actually get some sleep and, you know, starts the night before I was about to say, like, I start getting ready the day before (laughs) now instead of the hour before. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where it was just like, you know, Hey, I I got it right now, coach. I'm in, you know, I got the bullpen. You need me to throw three or four. No problem. I didn't even know (laughs) what a foam roller was until I was like 22, you know, like I just didn't, it just wasn't a thing, you know, in college, they'd be like, all right. Yeah. You're like, and I would just like use it as a pillow, you know, like, (laughs) yeah. They're like foam roller. You're like, is that from like the 18 plus section at Spencer's? What's that? (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> like okay this is like i'm gonna crack my back and then i'm good that's it yeah 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 right um okay so uh we talked uh i was about to mention your uh, junior year so uh six and one 3.21 15 starts hitters only batted 198 against you that year that's crazy um and 13 of 15 of your starts were for six innings or more so like what does it mean to like hear those numbers on like now that you get to reflect on how good of a season you really had as a junior? I mean, it's the crazy thing about it is it could have been a lot better. You know, like I, I started off super strong and like I said, all those things that led up to it were the reason for that. Like I was very mentally and physically prepared. I knew like I was diligent about my daily work. Um, I knew what I needed to do to prepare. Um, like I said, on a daily basis, start to start. Um, you know, the coaching staff, including, but not limited to coach Moore, um, did a great job preparing us mentally for competition and, you know, focusing on execution rather than those results. Um, so like for me, I was just like, so focused on executing one pitch at a time. And I do carry a lot of those, um, lessons with me, you know, especially about like my pre-pitch routine and like focusing on like pitch execution, because that's really all that matters. Right. Um, but that was, that was a huge jump for me. That was the main jump was from like hoping things would go your way to just like trusting yourself and your abilities and just focusing on making the best pitch you could. And like I said, trusting that the results would go in your favor. 
And so about halfway into that season, I started having some discomfort in my hip. Um, and that was the first like real time where I had an external factor affecting my performance. So like it went from everything is within me. I have the, you know, the world is my oyster, so to speak. Like I can just control my performance to like, okay, like I actually am physically limited. This, this is, you know, affecting my performance and there's nothing I can do about it. Um, so I, I finished like kind of like on a downtrend towards the end of the year, I got a little bit weaker, um, you know, from needing to modify some of the things that I was doing. And, um, you know, again, the, that was the, the most innings I had thrown in a couple month window by a mile, you know, I went from like whatever it was 50 innings as a, as a high school senior to, um, 11 plus a summer to zero to, um, yeah, like a hundred plus a short season once I got drafted. So, um, yeah. And then I had surgery after that year, um, to fix the, the hip issue and, again, straight back into to full season ball in 17 and my first real taste of like minor league baseball. And, um, you know, I was very, I feel very thankful looking back that I had 2017, 18 and 19 coming off of that hip injury where I didn't miss a start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I ate those innings and I, I learned just so much about the game because those are like innings are so valuable, you know, because not just because like you want to produce and put up numbers, but because like, the more batters you face, the more pitches you throw, like the more you learn, the better you can get. So those were very important, uh, the good and the bad. Those are very important experiences. My career. Plus, plus building up the arm strength. Viva Los Angelitos. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. You know, we've all been going through a lot. You're not alone. And you know what else you're not alone in? Being okay. It is okay to not always be okay. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works and it's proven to work. But what is therapy exactly? Well, therapy is exactly what you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated today and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or even work. Or maybe you're just not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your, yes, your therapist in under 48 hours. Guys, join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Halos of the Infield listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash Halos. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash Halos, H-A-L-O-S. Viva Los Angelitos! Enjoy the rest of the show. 
was it a given that you were going to be a starter being a reliever prior to that? Or was that something you lobbied for or the coaches saw in you that you could take that next uh, leap as a starter? Yeah, I think I just earned it. You know, oh, okay. I, just, okay. I just showed up every day. Like I was, yeah, I was just different that year than okay. the two years prior. And um, my intensity was different again. Like when you get the game taken away from you, like. Um, like the season prior. Yeah. It just it creates a different like sense of urgency. I would describe it as where you're like, so they could, they could probably see the fire in your eye. Like, like what was, yeah. what was the, uh, the re your reaction to them saying, Hey, you know what? You're going to be a starter. I mean, I think I knew like, cause I think my sophomore year, if I had stayed healthy, I would have started. So I think I like kind of knew where I fit. Okay. And like, when you look at the roster and like pitching in fall games, like I knew I was the best pitcher on the staff, like in my opinion, like that's how I felt. So okay. there wasn't really like a doubt that I was going to get that. So when they told me, I was like, yeah, you know, like I knew and like, they, they kind of, they kind of like line you up a little bit. Like, you know, like when they're, when you're throwing in inner squad games, like, you know, that I'm, I, when I'm throwing against the guys who are going to start on the offensive side, like, I know what that means for me, you know? Okay. Gotcha. So you can kind of read through like little signs like that. I'm not sure if everyone could read through it, but I, I had a pretty good feel for, um, for how that was, that was going to go. So it wasn't so much like when they told me I was starting um that year but there was one point where they gave me the ball for the Friday night game in Fullerton um and that was my first Friday start because previously I had been the Saturday guy okay um and there was a senior that was pitching on Fridays Angel Rodriguez who I ended up playing with briefly with the Rays as well great guy um and I got the start it was our first conference game in Fullerton Friday night we were hot. We were like 25 and seven or some, some 22 and four, some ridiculous 20 and single digit preseason. And uh, we started at Fullerton, like I said, Friday night. And I pitched into the seventh. It was like a two, two game. I was up over hundred pitches. Coach comes out, you know, how you feeling? I was like, I got this. I gave a bomb <laughs> and we ended up, we ended up losing the game three, two oh, and getting swept and proceeded to go one and eight against Fullerton long beach and UC Santa Barbara in our first three conference series, which effectively ended our season. Um, wow. so, you know, it's kind of, some good programs. Yeah, for sure. And we knew as a big West team, at least I knew, I don't know. Again, the coaching staff would never let us know this, but like, I knew at that point that we weren't going to make a regional because, you know, you have to be at least one of those teams in a series, mm -hmm. probably two being realistic. And so it just, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th I think that, you know, asking about like, was it cool to hear that I was going to start? I think that was like my, my, like my moment, my coming out moment when it was like, Hey, like Friday night in Fullerton, we want you to have the ball. Yeah, but Lou, I mean, you can't be ashamed of a 3-2 loss, even, you know, I mean, pitching 100 pitches, seventh inning. I mean, Cal State, like Fernando said, is always a good squad. So, I mean, that's that's a tough tough place to play, too. So, uh, that's, a, that's a good quality start in my in my mind right there. But, uh, yeah, that's tough when you lose those three programs right off the bat. But that's that's good. At, I mean, start, starting, uh, you know, because I was, I was under the impression you wanted to be a starter, you know, that freshman, you know, starting out and everything as a reliever. But, sure. uh, yeah, sure. getting that nod must have really. To, yeah, I had to earn it. Yeah. Boosted your confidence. Okay. All right, so June 21st, 2016, you were selected in the eighth round, uh, 240th overall by the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, 
I, I'm not going to disclose your signing bonus. I'll let you do that if you want to. I mean, that's pretty good money for uh, for eighth round. Uh, absolutely. Uh, what do you remember from that day? Um, yeah, first of all, I want to say like the you guys, this is great because me like being able to reflect on this story and like go over like kind of each step of the way is super fun. So I appreciate you guys going through this. Um, yeah, and- no, real quick. I mean, we love to do that because, you know, I love to like walk people through their careers because most Crazy. people, like you said, they don't reflect on their high school numbers, their college numbers. Yeah. And just like the sequence of it all, like going back and just kind of like reliving it in my mind. It's just kind of, yes. Yeah, first time I've done this in a while. Um, okay. Hey, life's a trip. In this depth, <laughs> depth, yeah, you know, like you talk about like little bits and pieces of it, but not necessarily like straight through in detail. Like this is how I've arrived here, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, again, kind of similar to like my junior season where like I knew I was going to get drafted at that point by the end of the season. I had an advisor at the time who would become my agent, Paul Cohen. Um, and, you know, in talks with him, he would – you know, give me an idea of where, you know, I stood with scouts. And I was, I had, at that point I had met with, uh, I want to say 28 out of 30 teams. I don't think I ever talked to the twins or the Mets. I want to say were the only two teams I never talked to. Wow. Um, but again, you know, having at least a cup of coffee with scouts from 28 teams, you have a pretty good idea of, you know, you're going to go at some point, whether it's day one, day two or day three was kind of to be seen. So um I remember watching the first day not expecting to go and then I remember waking up to a phone call from a Cub scout on day two I think they started in the third round and um yeah it literally woke me up at like 8 30 <laughs> I should have been up but <laughs> calls me I'm like hello yeah <clears throat> let's hello hello hi he's like yeah you know we're thinking about you know maybe using our first pick on you here in the third round and I'm like holy shit <laughs> and he's like would you sign for under slot and i'm like oh shit uh, yeah i think so yeah <laughs> you know, you know, like it's just draft day just goes so quickly so i'm like yeah like i yeah i would sign for under slot yeah like i don't know like how's 400 sound you know like right. it's just you it's such a crazy um environment and you need to have somebody to walk it through with you you know because you just i've never done it and these guys have done it hundreds of times so it's just not fair um but obviously i ended up not getting selected by the cubs and um yeah just ended up you know fifth fifth round rolled around sixth round and i got a call from my agent said hey um the rays are going to take you either this round or the next round i just want to let you know the good news and so i sat there I watched somebody else get picked in the seventh and then uh, sure enough, the eighth round came, came around 240. That was me. And it was just kind of like a, I wasn't thrilled. I wasn't like, you know, like I just kind of just, I think I just like put my head down and I was just like, all right, cool. You have have a, you have a destination now. Yeah. Yeah. Just some sort of closure. What was, was your uh, friend Angel selected that same season? the race he was a free agent he signed as a as a undrafted free agent later that oh, okay year. okay yeah that summer but um yeah i had a my scout reached out and said hey are there any guys that um that you think we should sign um and i still keep in touch with my scout greg whitworth um he seemed to have just like a lot of admiration for me and respect for my knowledge of the game and 
he would always call and ask, you know, like, who do you, what do you think about this guy, this guy, this guy? Oh, okay. So he hit me up and he was like, Hey, are there any guys that you think like we're missing? Uh-huh. And I was like, honestly, like, yeah, like this guy, one of the hardest working guys I know. And even if it doesn't pan out, it won't be for a lack of trying from him. Yeah. So, um, they signed him. He got an opportunity to keep playing and he played in Mexico for like at least three or four seasons after that, after getting released, I think in the off season. So um yeah, uh, that was that was a super cool thing to be a part of, not just, um, you know, playing with him, but, you know, maybe even if it was just like 1% giving giving him a little bit of a boost and, and getting yeah. an opportunity. Well, you, 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 did charge awesome a, you, your- you did charge a finder's fee, right? <laughs> yeah, for yeah for the couple, couple hundred dollars probably they signed him for. There you go. Got to get a percentage. Yeah, right. The, you have to, uh, he had to give you the ramen noodles from the bathtub that night. <laughs> that's a that's an inside joke we did in a, an interview with matt antonelli a long time ago and he talked about minor league guys making ramen noodles out of a bathtub we've covered the minors extensively here it's it's a ground yeah sure it is yeah i've seen kids eat cereal off a plate oh jeez. <laughs> oh god <laughs> that's a low yeah. point did yeah. they at least use milk did they at least have milk yeah i think they had a spoon too yeah, so okay okay all right all right you know you do what you got to do lisa yeah. wasn't a spoon. um yeah, right. Are you sick of sandpaper tongue? Do you prefer your sunflower seeds to be non-GMO, gluten-free, and without all that bullshit MSG? If so, do we have some good news for you. Introducing Chinook Cedary with some of the best sunflower seeds on the market. Be sure to check out all seven of their non-GMO, gluten-free flavors today. To help out Halos in the Infield, head on over to halosintheinfield.com and click on our sponsor link. Chinook Cedary, Carpe. All right, so 2017, you had your first full year uh, in, as a pro. You played for the Bowling Green Hot Rod. You were 7-7 with a 4.2 ADRA. What are some of the biggest takeaways you remember from your first full year of pro baseball? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think that year, the main thing was like the talent level. You know, because you're going to affect like short season ball is like basically like college. It's just like good college ball. And even then there's a lot of younger high school drafts, you know, Latin kids. So like it's not a good realistic way to evaluate players, in my opinion, at least. So low A is or that, you know, low A high is really the the first, you know, um, testing grounds. Um, and that year I faced guys like Bo Bichette, um, Vlad Jr., um fernando tatis wow um yikes yeah no for that's real. a murderous row right there yeah no yeah absolutely um you know other guys that you might know like uh oh what's what's o'neill cruz was in that league um i think we saw kiebert ruiz i mean like all these guys that you see like up and coming young talent um and yeah so i that was my first taste like you said and um it's really good players and, very good players um you know, coming out of that year, I felt like I had performed well enough against that talent pool um, that I, you know, went into that offseason feeling pretty good about like, okay, like, not that I ever doubted it, but, you know, when you have just a little bit of success, you know, I I didn't think I pitched as well as I could have that year, Mm -hmm. but I pitched well enough to be like, okay, like, I I should probably keep doing this, you know, like, (laughs) it wasn't like, okay, maybe I should go back to school retire Uh, yeah no seriously some kids like 
some kids will go back to school quicker than others. I still haven't finished my, my schooling. And the main reason is because I want to be all in on what I'm doing right now. I mean, could I have finished my classes in the fall and like added that to my plate? Of course, like I have enough time, but some guys who are like, they have one foot in one foot out, you know? And so I was just at that point, two feet in, and I was like, all right, I'm just going to ball as hard as I can do everything in my power to make this happen until, until they rip that, that thing out of my hand pretty much. Um, so that was really like, yeah, that season was like the first time where I was like, all right, like, I think, I, I think I could actually do this as a career. I think what a lot of people say about the minors that's rough is, um, you know, growing up in little league and high school and college, you're always one of the best players on your team. You're either the best or you're one of the best. So what a lot of people say is when you get to the minors, it's difficult because now you're in a situation where you had the best of those guys. And now you kind of have to try to, you know, you, you still love your teammates, but you're also trying to differentiate yourself to the organization, right? I mean, you're obviously still in a friendly competition with the guys on your team. You pull for those guys, but you also look at your teammate. You're like, I could have got us out of that jam. You, I mean, you nailed it. Like talking about each time you advance at any level, whether it's high school to college, college to pros, low to high, you go from being, again, in theory, the, the best player on the team to the worst, right? Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys don't handle that well, you yep. know, and, and it's not always permanent, you know, like I went to high and struggled and I went to double a the following year and pitched great. So like, you just have to ultimately like, it's about self-confidence and like trust that everything you're doing will lead to good results. Um, because eventually, you know, ultimately whatever's on the back of your baseball card is, is what matters, you know, yeah. and no matter what they say, like trust the process, but it's like, whatever goes on the back of that card is what's going to make or break your career. So like whatever other guys do and whatever stuff they put up on the backs of their cards or um, whatever sort of um, performances they have at the end of the day, as much as it feels like it affects you, it doesn't because there's plenty of mouths to feed. There's 29 other teams um, and for me being a left-handed pitcher, I knew that there was always going to be demand for left-handed pitching. Yep. Um, being in an organization like the Rays with so much talent, you have to just focus on what you can control. Right. And it's so much easier said than done, but like, you just have to keep your head down and you have to be like singularly focused tunnel vision on what I have in front of me that day, what I can do to get myself better and to eventually become a major league baseball player and a good one at that. Um, we got a visitor. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's hard um, to just be focused on yourself while also wanting to win games, you know, like um, this past year in Durham, I know you guys are going one year at a time, but like you eventually get with a group of guys that you really like and, you know, you've been with for a long time and you want each other to succeed. And that's some super powerful magic juice because that will take not only the team to the next level, but it'll take your own performance to the next level. Once you start playing unselfishly. Absolutely. A uh, winning team and chemistry. That's the kind of uh, players and, and uh, squads that people remember because <clears throat> uh, you're doing your own thing and you're succeeding and you're rallying around the other guys. And you, if you just got that juju working, yeah, it's, it's, it's easy to rub off on the next player and the next player. They all want to keep that momentum going. 
Right. So, um, you know, 2020 was kind of a wash for all of us. Um, you know, I'm sure it wasn't easy to, you know, to stay uh, ready. Uh, so let's go to 2021, which has been your best minor league year thus far. So between three leagues, 2.81 ERA in over 40 innings pitched. What was working for you this year? Or, yeah, 2021 in compared to some of the other years and, you know, what was clicking? Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the year, my 2015 season, right? My sophomore year, right? I missed that with a, with a back injury. And, you know, that felt like to me, like that was, that year was supposed to be kind of like my coming out party. Right. So 2020 for me was supposed to be like my coming out party. Right. I, I, you know, I had a, a good 2019 on paper, but I could have pitched a lot better and I could have, you know, my stuff is now a lot better than it was then. And 2020, I felt really good. I was really ready for that season. I felt like I did all the right things in the off season to get ready. And then yeah, gone poof. Right. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden it's 2021. I'm a year older and I'm in camp with the, with the Rays, you know, coming off a world series run. And, um, now this is my year, right? For sure, you know, no doubt. This is it. And I have an injury, right? And I don't get to play the first half of the season. And I don't even know if I'm going to make it out of Florida. You know, I don't know how my rehab's going to go. I don't know if I'm going to need, you know, some more time to heal or if I'm going to pitch it all that year, right? That was a UCL sprain, correct? Yeah, it was a it was a UCL sprain. Um that's a big injury for a pitcher. That's, sure. you know, one of the injuries of injuries. Really. Yeah. So uh, luckily for me, it was a grade one, which is the least severe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I knew I felt something off and I think I got on it quickly. Um, you know, I didn't allow myself to throw through it. I was like, all right, like something's up, let's take care of it. And I'm very, you know, in hindsight, very glad I did. But uh, yeah, you know, like coming out of 2020 and the first half of 21, and you have this injury, I had every reason to just tuck my tail in and go home or um, feel sorry for myself or, or what have you. Um, but, you know, the reason I draw back on that 2015 season was just because, you know, I just kind of committed to like going one day at a time and focusing on the rehab and, and the work that I had for that day, not looking too far ahead on the calendar, you know, just focusing on, you know, today, tomorrow, today, tomorrow, just over and over and over again. Um, until all of a sudden I got a ball in my hand and all of a sudden I'm on a mound again. And all of a sudden um, I'm pitching in, you know, um, scrimmage games again. And then eventually I get that Jersey on. And, you know, when I found out that I was going to Durham and um, pitching the bullpen, I didn't care. You know, I wasn't like, Oh, I, I'm a starter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, I was so happy to be going to play baseball with my friends again. And even when I got to Montgomery, I knew a bunch of those guys. And, um, you know, I was only there for about 10, two weeks, whatever it was. Um, but I just had so much fun. You know, we got there like 4th of July. It was my wife's birthday. My birthday was the 9th. I got to pitch on my birthday. Sweet. Um, it was just so – it was such a gratifying experience to go so long without baseball and go through so much, um, not just personally, but, like, just as a, as a sport and as a society. And – you know, to miss the opening day and then be able to come back and not only be healthy, but perform well. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's, it's just a testament to um, 
the place that I was in mentally and, and physically because of because of all the work behind the scenes. All right, so um, thanks for going through this. We're we're almost caught up to today. Yeah. <laughs> so um, let's talk about the minor league rule five draft. So for anyone who doesn't know what the rule five draft is, I'm going to try to boil it down to about as minimal as I can, because we can talk about this for like an hour on what it really is. So the rule five draft is intended to stop teams from stockpiling young talent. Players have a certain amount of time to either make the 40 man roster or remain at the triple A level. If a team fails to protect the player in either of those um, respective capacities, the player can be picked up by a new team in the Rule 5 draft, and the team that originally had the player is financially compensated for the loss of that player. I don't know why I put air quotes. It is a loss. (laughs) So you were at the gym when you found out. So walk me through literally working out, going on Twitter, and finding out that your life literally completely changed in what, I don't know, 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. I mean, yeah. Uh, that's exactly how you described it. I mean, I, I walked out of the gym. I got in my car. I opened my phone for the first time in, you know, whatever it was, hour and a half. And I had a notification on Twitter and I like looked at it and I, like, I didn't recognize it. I, it didn't make any sense to me. It was like, my buddy tweeted me like world champs 2022 or something. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I click on it and it goes, you know, like a subtweet to like a blue check guy who announced the pick. And I was like, what? Like, (laughs) that's not possible. Like this, that's not happening. No way. I had no idea the real five draft was even happening. You know, like talk about, you prepare for all outcomes, especially as a minor league player. Like you just, I'm, we're always ready for all outcomes, you know, like anything you throw at us ready for it. I was so not ready for that. I had no (laughs) idea. I had no idea it was going on. Like as soon as they announced big league rule five portion was canceled, I assumed like that the Rays would do the same thing that they had done the prior two years and put me on the triple A roster, which effectively protects me from the minor league portion. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, you know, I won't get too much into that just because I've, you know, limited information and, um, you know, they have to make tough decisions and, you know, I have the most respect for the organization and, and those decisions, they're clearly successful for a reason, but um, they made the, the d- difficult decision to leave me on the double A roster and um, yeah, angels swooped in and um, yeah, to find that out in the way that I did, I called my wife right away and I was like, babe, it's happening, you know, cause we always, we always joked about it. Like what if I, played for the angels one day like her parents live 20 minutes from the park you know oh that's perfect and we've always dreamed about like arizona spring training west coast affiliates like just how nice that would be for us but i don't think it would be as cool as it is now and i don't think we would appreciate it as much if we hadn't been through all those years of long distance and all those years with the rays and being in florida every year and the struggles that that you know both the highs and the lows over there um it really felt like just like serendipitous, like perfect timing. And um, yeah, we feel very fortunate. That's very- de- definitely the definition of hardworking uh, paying off. You know, uh, but what, what, what's your thoughts of now you're going to be playing alongside Otani and Trout and guys like that? Yeah, man. I mean, I, honestly, like I was the main thing that I was really looking forward to was like getting to meet the guys. Um one of the things that I loved about being in camp with the Rays last year was getting to have conversations with guys like that 
you know, like the Tyler Glass now is Rich Hill, mm-hmm. Chris Archer, you know, just hanging out with um, with the group, you know, because when I was in camp last year with the Rays, I fully intended to contribute to the team at some point during the season. Yeah, yeah. And so this year, even more so for me, you know, a, a year removed from that, um, I intend to c- contribute to the team this season. And so I really, I really, I still have hope, but I, I really had um, looked forward to being able to meet everybody and just get to know them as men um, and to get to know the, the entire organization, the staff from top to bottom, the medical strength, um, the front office um, and all the, uh, all the other good people who I'm sure um, I'll get to meet here in a few weeks. But um, that was, that's the big thing, you know, obviously playing with them, I'm sure one day I'll look back and be like, that was, <laughs> yeah. but right now you know we have a job to do so I just want to get to know them so that I can just help in any way I can not only on the field but just to help these guys um be the best version of ourselves and pick their brains to get better yourself oh, yeah we're all just we're all pulling in the same direction that's absolutely yeah so what's one thing that the Rays organization taught you to make you a better pitcher that you're going to carry over here to hopefully Anaheim. That's a that's a good question. Um, one thing, I think broadly, the one thing is understanding what makes you good, right? And it changes, and um, it's unique for everybody. Um, but being in an organization that's so forward on the analytics front i know analytics is becoming like this hype word where it's like it almost doesn't mean anything you know Mm -hmm. um but more specifically like pitch design and and like movement profiles on your pitches and like where you're throwing certain types of pitches um to better understand so it's not just about how the pitches move and it's not just about when you throw the pitches and it's not just about where you throw the pitches it's just this it's this fluid concept of all three combined. Um, and I think my understanding of like why I succeed and understanding the data is a huge like precursor to having on-field success. Like if you are able to take the numbers that they're throwing at you and not just say like, yes, I have 20 inches movement good. And you're able to say like, okay, you know, this guy struggles with carry fastballs. I have an above average carry fastball, but I, you know, and he has a chase rate of X percent early in the count. Maybe I have an opportunity to throw breaking balls early and finish him with a fastball up. And you're able to take all of the information and actually be, be able to use it in a game rather than just being able to be like, I throw this nasty curveball, right? Um, it's all about actually performing. So I think the main thing over the years is the knowledge that I've gained, not just from being able to regurgitate a number or explain what a certain statistic means, but being able to actually translate it to my profession. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of people on that Rays organization who I would love to like sit down and like pick their brain because I mean, the Rays are just one of those organizations that do it right. You know, they know the guys they're drafting, they develop their guys properly, and they don't have a blueprint overall. They have a, you know, they look at the player and they cater what they're trying to create from that player. You know, there's a lot of organizations that just kind of, they throw out a blanket and they're like, all right, this is how we develop our players. But then you got player uh, teams like the A's and the Rays who are like, 
no, you know, Kenny's different than Todd. So we're going to develop them differently. Yeah. So and they're know, those are the kind you, of things that. Uh, sorry. Yeah. They, they, they also put you in different positions, right? They don't, they're not going to throw two guys into the same situation and accept the same result. They're going to give you guys unique opportunities and ultimately the best opportunity that they think for you to succeed is right. I mean, the goal is not for just for them to win games necessarily. The goal is to give them the highest probability of winning those games. So I know that sounds kind of weird, but like they will play if, if taking a certain action, like taking Blake Snell out in the, you know, seventh inning or sixth inning, whatever it was, gives them a higher percentage chance on paper in the algorithm that they trust to win, they're going to do it because it gives them a better chance to win. And that's all they're chasing. Hey, I mean, you're a genius or a jackass, right? You know what I mean? And if that move pans out, you know, it's one of the moves people are like, wow, that was so ballsy and they did such a good job and wow, it's crazy. Okay. But unfortunately, you know, it, I'm not going to say that cost the raise the, the championship, but you know, it didn't help. Yeah. And, but and- you know, the race, trust the numbers. And that's just the way the organization is. There's thousands of decisions that led them to that moment too. You know, you could probably look yeah. at it, one of those and say that, you know, that was right or that was wrong. And, you know, yeah. in hindsight. Well, was- I mean, none of us are in the business of, uh, you know, what if, right? You know, you yeah. got to live with the consequences, but they'll yeah, be back. The Rays, they do a great job of basically squeezing <laughs> every last drop of toothpaste out of that sucker. You know what I mean? They, oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, they just they get the most out of their players for sure. And, you know, sometimes it it's has a negative effect at times, you know, because that you see guys who they know have options get up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and guys who have healthy arms get used and used and used. And, you know, that's the nature of the business and that's what we prepare ourselves for. But again, you know, when they try to, they ask a lot of their players and their players do everything, absolutely everything in their power to, um, to fulfill the task. I think with the mindset you have, and, um, you know, we've heard other interviews with other Rays players and like he, um, Fernando brought up the A's. It's almost like they have a different mindset. Like they, they pick players with your type of mindset, like your unselfish, but your selfish type of attitude. Cause you know, you got to make your career go and everything too, but you have that unselfish mentality too. It's like where, Hey man, if you want me to run through a brick wall, I'll do it. If you want me to pitch a few innings here, I'll do it. Uh, if you want, you know, just a couple pitches. So I I think that's a good mentality to have. And, 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 uh, those type of players are what this organization with the angels, I think are trying to do too. It's been a different regime over the last year or two, uh, since Perry's gotten here and he, it's been an arms race. And I think you're part of it, you know, like he, you're the type of pitcher that he seems to be going after the young, aggressive, uh, guy that's willing to learn, wants to better himself. And we'll do, we'll go through all the steps to be that type of pitcher the organization wants. 100%, man. I know it sounds like cliche, but whatever the team needs. Mm-hmm. Y'all want me to go play short? Where's <laughs> yeah. my play? You know, yeah, if, if they say play two. Do it, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I mean, obviously I'm being a little facetious, but yeah, I mean, really, whatever the team needs. All right, so getting ready to wrap up here, um, I wanted to go ahead and uh, ask you a couple of just quick Giants questions. So uh, maybe tap into, you know, the kid part of you, what you remember. So 2002 World Series, obviously us Angels fans (laughs) talk about it all the time. You were young, as was I. What do you remember from that 2002 World Series? 
Um, I remember uh, Percival. I remember uh, Russ Ortiz. Uh, I think Woody. I remember players, right? I remember uh, Erstad, um, Bonds, obviously. Um, Snow, I think, was on that team. Yep. Um, yep, JT. Maybe Marquise Grissom, uh, Ray Durham. I mean, yeah, just like very nostalgic for me. Like, I just remember players. You know, I don't necessarily remember like a single like moment from the series, but I just think about the teams and and some of the players that I loved that I used to love watching. Um, yeah, that's how I would answer that question. I just I remember watching players that were really fun to watch, especially Bonds. I mean, the guys. I, that's a whole other podcast. Could have been a Hall of Famer. I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, we, y'all, know, y'all know where I stand on that. So. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right, cool. So you agree? You agree? Yeah, he should have been a Hall of Famer. Um, okay, so Giants have had a lot of great pitchers who, you, when you were growing up, like you know, that was the prime age of like Giants pitching. Is there a specific pitcher, even if it's just their mentality, that you modeled your game after? Was it like the dog-like attitude of Tim Lincecum or, you know, was it Madison Bumgarner? Who was it? You know, I think that's a fantastic question. He caught you off guard. We stumped him. We stumped him. (laughs) (laughs) The reason is it's not a Giants pitcher. Okay. Okay. Um, I watched a lot of of Glavin and Pettit growing up. Um, Okay. And I used to just, I was always, I, you know, just like in anything, you always kind of gravitate towards somebody that reminds you of you, you know, whenever you're watching a show or a movie, like you relate to a certain character and watch them though, you know, most of the time. And, um, you know, obviously being a left-handed pitcher, um, those are some of the guys that I gravitated to. Um, You know, even Bumgarner for me was like a little different than I was. He's a little sidearm. So I didn't like necessarily compare myself to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, I think the player that, that I really enjoyed watching, obviously Tim Linscombe was electric. Um, but again, that wasn't somebody that I saw myself as being able to like, you know, reproduce those results. And you have a guy like Brian Wilson, where it's like, this guy's just, I wouldn't want to run into him in a bar, you know? <laughs> um, the guy that I really looked up to was Matt Kane. Um, Matt Kane just seemed to be like the nicest calmest dude right and like he got intense when it counted and um i actually got an opportunity to meet him um at an outback steakhouse (laughs) one time and that's not what i expect you to ever say yeah (laughs) was he eating a blooming onion me and matt kane sitting at an outback steakhouse just talking ball and i was actually funny story i was actually playing for the brooklyn dodgers um, it was, that was our little league team. I was like, yeah, I was like 11 or something or 12 or yeah, it was in little league. And I was wearing a Dodgers jersey and I go, Oh, Oh, don't worry. I point to the B on that. I go, no, don't worry. It's Brooklyn, you know? <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, that was someone I always looked up to not only cause I got to meet him, but because um, he just seemed to like be in control at all times. Yeah. That's how I would answer that question. Very underrated player nat- nationally, you know, totally. everyone yeah. looked- towards bum gardener but uh kane was definitely good yeah he was a dog i remember he actually i think he had a home run in the world series or no did he no he had a home i think i I went to 
I could be wrong, but I think I went to two games in the same year, and one was a game he had a home run, and one was a World Series game that he pitched. Oh, okay. I did go to the World Series game he pitched, so I may have just combined those two games in my memory. <laughs> it made an even better memory. Yeah, totally. There you go. Um, all right, so uh, last two questions I have. I don't know if Todd has one. Um, so as a Giants fan, which of those three championships meant the most to you? Was it 2010 because it was the first one? Dumped him again. That's two times. I'm tr- well, I'm trying to remember because, like, right now they're all the same, you know, but I'm trying to, yeah, like, that's, that's fair. Trying to be, like, 14 again and remember. Because, um, I mean, you were in high school for almost was, all of them. Yeah, I was – I was uh, I would have been 15 or 14, 16, and 18. It was great. Uh, it was a great time. Um, yeah, I bet. I think, I think probably the second one. I think probably the second one because the first one like I was still like I was pretty young and like couldn't like I wasn't like you know like what do I do do I go to the parade or like I don't know my mom's gonna like not want me to go you know and then the second yeah, one Brian was, Wilson like ripped off his underwear yeah <laughs> I, I remember that vividly so like the second one I was like yeah like two out of three and like I'm a senior now and I'm like yeah so I think that was probably the one yeah. okay 14 no 12 okay yeah 2012 yeah, 12 would have been a while. Fall, fall of my senior year. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Final. Uh, do you have any uh, questions before I ask my last one? Uh, just I uh, want to know if you come out of the bullpen or if you're starting a game for the Angels this season, what's your song? Can mm. you give us a preview? What's yeah. what's, what's going to be your hype song? That's a great question. I, <laughs> You guys are asking some bangers because <laughs> I don't I don't have the answers. And Oh, what? <laughs> Like, I think, like, I'm very big on, like, just, like, vibes and energy and gut. So, like, my gut was don't let me down, chain smokers. Okay. And that's what I walked out to in college. And I haven't – it's crazy because I haven't walked out to it for, like, four years. But, like, that was just, like, my – I was, like, that was my gut. Um, that's all I got. I mean, yeah, I, I think I I think I have to walk out to don't let me down, chain smokers now. Shit. Okay, we'll let the PA. Okay, maybe it'd be out. cool if you let like your wife pick or something too. You know what I mean? For like your first time out there, or maybe one of your parents. I feel like that'd be kind of cool. You know what I mean? Kind of like a this is for you guys. Yeah, I I don't know. She's got pretty good taste in music, but that's a that's a lot of pressure to put. That's on good. Her, you know. <laughs> hey man, somebody walked up to Baby Shark and won the 2019 World Series. You know, with the Nationals. So that's you never know. Sure did. <laughs> yeah, it's all about the vibes. Yeah. yeah, we got a little one on the way, too, so maybe it will be Baby Shark. Hey, congratulations. Hey, there you go, man. Congratulations. Thanks. Yeah, I have a six-year-old, and, I mean, right now uh, there's this song about, like, uh, I'm a banana that just plays on repeat, like, in the house, and I'm just, like, my my fiance and I just, just kind of sing it now all the time, you know what I mean? Because it just might as well keep it going when it's not playing on his iPad. So yeah. you get used to the songs. It's just part of you now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Here I am, like sitting at sitting at, like on a business trip. I'm a banana. So, <laughs> you'll get there. <laughs> on the podcast. Yeah, there you go. All right. So last question I have for you: Minor league baseball is a grind, and hopefully you're starting to get to the end of that chapter, and you'll be able to accomplish everything that you've ever worked for in your life. Uh, you obviously have the right support system to do it, but 
Why is Kenny Rosenberg going to not only make it to the major leagues, but why are you going to stay there? Hell yeah. I love that question because I, we ask it all the time. Yeah. I'll tell you straight up. It's because my goal was never to make it. Mm. My goal has always been to stay. It's never been, I want to make it to the major leagues. It's always been, I want to pitch in the major leagues for as long as I can. You know, when I talk about like, even if I just have a conversation like with my folks and you know, they're like, well, you know, <laughs> my, they know me pretty well by now, but like, if I was just talking to somebody on the street and they're like, you know, or like, are you really excited to like, you know, make it to the big leagues? I would be like, I'm trying to do this shit till I'm 45. There you go. I don't understand. Like I love baseball. Like this is just like, I feel like I could do it forever, you know, and God willing, um, you know, that'll be the case. So yeah, to answer your question, I mean, the reason why I'm going to not only make it, but stay is that's always been the plan. You know, I just, I love it too much. Um, I, I feel like I, I have the right mindset, you know, right now and just taking it one day at a time, you know, no, no day or, or no, like feet is too big. You know, they talk about like having different size goals, like, you know, having like a, like an upside down pyramid size goals, you got the big goals, and then you got the medium goals and then you got the small goals. And if you accomplish those small goals one at a time, eventually you'll accomplish the medium goal and then eventually accomplish the big one, but you got to start down here. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just the daily work. And if you simplify it like that, it's so easy to say, you know, it's so easy for me to sit here and be like, Oh yeah, just like take it one day at a time. And eventually you just wake up and you're in the big leagues. It's not exactly true, but you know, if you just like be a sponge and try to just accumulate information and knowledge and just like try to implement it and be honest with yourself and be critical of yourself and continue to push yourself day in and day out, month in and month out and year in and year out. And you have these points of reflection where you look back and you're like, okay, that didn't work. And you got to be honest with yourself. You're like, I got to scrap this pitch or I got to go train somewhere else, or I need to have a different stretching routine like we talked about or whatever it is right um yeah just that honesty with yourself and and just the conviction that that you'll make the right decision and and what you want to happen will yeah i mean you might not wake up tomorrow and automatically get to the major leagues but you do have to wake up tomorrow to put in the work to get to the major leagues you've been well on your way for yeah literally your entire life you know you've battled the injuries so i know you're mentally tough like i said you obviously have the support system so um yeah man you're well on your way Uh, you don't need us to tell you that um but uh man we look forward to everything coming your way this year uh and we know we're gonna see you here in anaheim you can quote me on that uh and uh man we we look forward to seeing you out here i'm sure this year is going to be awesome for you i mean you know, you said that you and your wife have been talking about this and, you know, you obviously already live locally. So that kind of helps, you know, yeah. you've got her family here. Uh, your folks are going to be able to go to the bulk of your games out in, Scott, uh, in Tempe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, we're super excited for everything coming your way this year. Keep grinding. You're obviously doing a good job. Uh, Todd, anything you want to throw out there before I we just... let... I was just going to say, I loved his last answer. Uh, you know, he's giving angel fans this, this look of a player that's determined that wants to be out there. And like, it's not satisfied with a cup of coffee in the major leagues or pitching at Yankee uh-huh. stadium one day, you know, this is, this is something that a lot of ki- uh, kids can emulate, you know, from this interview and, and get that work ethic and that drive to just keep going, keep grinding 
and becoming, uh, you know, making your dreams come true and making your profession yeah. come true. He didn't go, he didn't come to this profession to become a, a car salesman later on. You know, he, like he said, he wants to play till he's 45. And I, I really appreciate that answer. That's a yeah, that's man. A- slow, slow and steady wins the race. I mean, like I said, this isn't like, I'm not even trying to make it out to be like some big underdog story, but I made it further than I was supposed to already. Absolutely. I mean? So like, there's no reason why um, anybody watching this or like any kid that I get to interact with um, can't do the same. I mean, it's just, I feel like I'm just living such a blessed life, man. It's, I love, I love what I do so much. And uh, like y'all said, I, I do have a great support system. And sometimes the stars align like this and you, you end up playing in your backyard and um, you know, uh, I'm really thankful for, for everything. And I, you know, I appreciate you guys taking the time and going through everything. This has been like, Oh, thank you. I don't want to, I don't want to knock any of the other interviews I've done, but like, this has been the most thorough and getting, getting able to go through the years like this with y'all. And you guys have asked some really hard hitting questions and um, no, I really appreciate it. And this was really fun. Thank you. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But well, we've said multiple times in this podcast uh, to, to various people that uh, you are exactly where you're meant to be in the universe right now, sitting on that couch, talking to each other and hopefully inspiring some people to, you know, be better in their jobs or inspiring some kids to put in the work so they can accomplish. Yeah. There you go. Be you. So, um, Absolutely. You know, continue to be you. We'll continue to be us. And uh, at, at the end of the day, we're exactly where we're meant to be in the universe. And when we shake your hand, when we see you at Angel Stadium, I'll say the exact same thing to you. You're right exactly where you're supposed to be in the universe at that exact moment. Kenny Rosenberg, generous enough with this time. Uh, give our regards to your wife, uh, your family. And man, we will see you soon. Sounds good. Guys. Right. Again.